Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. So favorite draft day moments in Panthers history, draft day moments ever. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Some of this stuff. Hold on. It's Wes. We got to say R.I.P. to Springer. You know what I'm saying? Jerry Springer. And Walker. Wes, I'm going to ask you a question. What's up? It is the day of the number one overall selection. This is true. And you told me to stop talking about the NFL draft. Just to real say, quick. hold on, let's send an RIP out to Jerry Springer. He's a part of our show, though. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. He's a part of our show. Wait. <laughs> Welcome back in, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show on a Monday. Hope your Monday is going fantastic. Ours is thus far. And so uh, keep the text coming, 704-570-9610. Hit those social media buttons. Hit that follow button on the WFNT Twitter and Instagram. At West Bryant underscore 72. At Walker Mail and at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram, and most importantly, at Wesson Walker on Twitter or X, whichever you prefer. What you got over there, Walker? Well, I got a text from Big Cat Dan. He said it mm-hmm. felt like they woke up from sleepwalking after six quarters. This was also the first time Dabba was able to cycle in a lot of players and all four QBs in two years. Keep us unranked until after the FSU game, where we'll see if the real Clemson Tigers stand up. Go Tigers. Now, a couple things here. One. Yeah, I, I think that's all fine. That That's the hope if you're a Clemson yeah, fan. Clemson played 117 players in this game. <laughs> that's, I actually did not know that stat. Yeah, I didn't know it was They broke a record that. the last time they, they played 111 guys against Charlotte in 2019. That's so many. I did not realize. That, I didn't even know how big that's how big a roster that's could get. That's crazy. It sounds like they were grabbing people out of the stands. Like, hey, you want to come play? Honestly, you messed me up a little bit. 117 (laughs) to appear in a game is crazy. But a sidebar conversation that we were having a little bit during the break, Mm -hmm. Big Cat Dan, I feel like we all know a big cat in our lives. I grew up with a big cat, big old dude, really cool guy that we would hang out with quite a bit. I feel like we all know a big cat. I also feel like everybody knows a big mo. Because you had a buddy, Big Mo, right? Yeah, one of my best friends, Big Mo. Yeah. He's definitely every bit of the Big Mo. Right. And then so I don't know if anybody that would listen to high school football in the area, there's a Big Mo who was, you know, kind of like a yes, local legendary play-by-play. Uh-huh. Play. Uh-huh. Got to know him pretty well and RIP to Big Mo. Yeah. Big shout out with high big school Mo football. Collins. Yeah. So like, I feel like everybody either has a Big Mo in their life, a Big Cat. Fitty dropped a Big John in there. I don't know. I don't know if I can tell you I know a Big John. But I want to know about some of the big nicknames that you got. Like, does everybody know a big blank? Who is that? 704-570-9610. Because Big Cat and Big Mo have me rolling. All right. So the college football discussion, we've gotten a couple of games under our belt. We've gotten to see some of these teams. we got a little bit of the picture on some of these guys. And so, in your opinion, who do you think is the most impressive team not named Florida State so far in ACC football this season? I don't think it's really close. Not after what happened this weekend. I think it's I think it's Duke. Ooh. Well, right. Like if, if we're okay. going if we're going outside of Florida State, yeah, sure. If we're going with the the team that has impressed me the most outside of Florida State, North Carolina was another one that could have been in the running here. If you go in this weekend and you beat App State, what forty to twenty or anything like that, and a convincing win, then okay, 
maybe I go with the Tar Heels. But that didn't happen. There was a very real possibility that the North Carolina Tar Heels were going to lose at home to App State. That thing went to overtime, and it was dicey. Thriller! It was a thriller, 100%. So it can't be North Carolina because of that. The defense shows up in game one against South Carolina. They do not against Appalachian State. I mean, West, for me, it's clearly Duke, who has a monster win over Clemson, where they didn't even play well, and they still got the win. I, They still had mistakes, right? They still turned the ball over a lot more than they did the previous year and still got the win and separated themselves from the Clemson Tigers in week one, have no hiccups the week two, 42-7 to over Lafayette. Miami's the other one I guess you could bring into the mix. They had the win over Texas Are you going to name all the teams, or are you going to let me go? I thought Miami was one I could bring in there. But I'm giving you a definitive answer. Because you just took mine. Well, I was giving you a definitive (laughs) answer. I still think it's Duke. Tell me why it's Miami. Yeah, I'm going with Miami, man. I think that uh, the Canes, I'm not going to go with the stupid phrase that I can't stand. The U is back. I'm not going to hit you with all of that. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go outside of these borders and uh, head down to Dade County, okay. one of my favorite places uh, to hang out. The goons. Like you know what I'm saying? The goons. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, no, Tyler Van Dyke has been phenomenal this season. And when you look at the big win they got at home over Texas A&M, the ACC's fourth win over the SEC, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he's been playing fantastic football right now. And so uh, you look at what he's done. I thought when I saw him in the spring, that he was ready to go. Uh, He looked like the Tyler Van Dyke of a couple of years ago that was a projected first-round pick. But against Miami of Ohio, he goes 77% passing, 200 yards, and one touchdown. But he made history in their win over Texas A&M. He was the first Miami quarterback, and this is a crazy stat because of all the quarterbacks and all the big games they played in, he's the first Miami quarterback to throw five touchdown passes against a ranked AP uh, opponent out of all of the great quarterbacks that they've had so I think that Miami when you look at what they've got right now defensively yes they did give up 33 points but I think the big play element was there they had a 90 plus yard kick return for a touchdown you look at what Van Dyke was able to do uh, offensively Uh, Xavier Restrepo had 126 yards receiving they've got some other playmakers out there they've got a pretty good running running attack as well so I think that the the Miami team, now they didn't run it super effective uh, against Texas A&M, 3.2 yards per carry. But again, just that passing attack was phenomenal. So I think the Miami Hurricanes are a dangerous team. And another thing, too, uh, somebody pointed this out. Uh, James Williams was out there knocking people into next week. And they were talking about, you know, Miami's back when they're up 15 with two minutes to go and they're still headhunting because I think he got a targeting with like two minutes to Mm. go. And then hopefully uh, Cameron Kitchens, their all-world safety, one of the best safeties you probably never heard of. He's phenomenal. Uh, He got carted off, but he is okay. But I'm going to go with Miami. Yeah, and and Miami's looked good. I think for me, Texas A&M, with them not hitting the ground running as much. They got a little stench on them from last year. They do, but it's fair. Miami comes out and scores 48 points. If you're watching game day, uh, I think a few people went with Texas A&M. I forget exactly who went with A&M, who went with Miami. But one of the reasons was Bobby Petrino calling plays. They just believe in Petrino so much as a play caller. That's why they went with the Aggies. And yet here's Miami. It is at home. 
So Miami getting that dub at home, big deal. So you're right. Miami deserves some love here. I'm still going to go with Duke because it's been two games in a row now. One monster opponent, one you should have, but they took care of it. Give me Duke. Miami looks like they're coming. Yeah, it's a little bit of, a, of what have you done for me lately. I'm, I'm going a little bit off of this week as well because Duke has been phenomenal uh, too so far. So we'll see how that goes. So uh, getting into a little bit of the quarterback discussion so we talked about uh drake may in north carolina getting that win versus ab state and so you look at the south carolina game two second half interceptions one of them was a deflection no doubt about it against appalachian state no touchdowns uh, he had one rushing touchdown uh, i just wanted to know fitty i'll start with you are you uh, a little bit leery of uh, the start that Drake May has had to the season as far as the stats not being as gaudy as we thought maybe they could be? No, because this is this is the offense. This is a run-heavy offense, and you've got a stable of running backs that you can hand the football off to to run for pretty much at will whenever you want to, as you've been able to do the first two weeks of the year. And, you know, furthermore, you know, look, Kobe Pesor has been a, been a big-time target for him. Uh, with, with no Tez Walker, he doesn't have anyone else in that wide receiver room that you you trust him to throw the football to enough. Gavin Blackwell has drop issues. J.J. Jones has drop issues. You look at the tight end room, John Copenhaver had a great week one. He had a club on his hand in week two, couldn't catch the ball. Bryson Nesbitt steps up. And so, um, you know, I, I said this after the game on Saturday. Like, a lot of Tar Heel fans are worried about him. Well, how is he going to win the Heisman Trophy after the first two weeks? That's not important right now. Right now, you just want to win games to put yourself in a position to win the Heisman. When you can run the ball the way that they can run the ball, I'm not overly concerned about his passing yards through the first two games. Yeah, Carolina had 527 yards. The Tigers have won eight straight times. They gained 500 yards and 11 in a row when they gained 400 or more. And it was the 23rd time since Mac Brown returned to UNC that they gained 500 or more yards. And before you go, Walker, uh, Omarion Hampton had that huge game, 234 yards on 26 carries. Uh, it was the 13th most rushing yards in a game by Tar Heel and the most since 2020. And so the question is, with the way Drake is playing, is there any worry that if the game gets put on his shoulders, which he's proved resilient in one-score games, he's 7-3 and three in those instances. But uh, with what Fitty said about the wide receivers, are you a little worried that if teams aren't able to keep Carolina behind the chains, that uh, they may struggle. No, I have all the belief in Drake May still. And this is a tweet from a way to worthy Bryant St. Ives, somebody that you guys might know out there in Tar Heel Twitter land. But the tweet was Drake May's QBR through two games this season is 84. May's QBR last season was 82. We're not, we're not seeing the explosive yardage totals, but what we're seeing from Drake May is still winning football. We can go to the interception in the first game against South Carolina. There was an interception that was a bad one. That's on Drake. The second one was tipped and then went to South Carolina, so I don't put that on the QB. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about those one-score games, I think Drake May has shown you that he's someone that you can depend on. We can go back to Georgia Tech where Josh Downs drops the football in the end zone, or else you might even have another win added to that total, right, where you go 8-2, and two, which would be even more impressive. We did see Drake May against an NC State defense last year where he did a lot to try to continue to give you chances to win that game when you're talking about some touchdowns that he's able to throw for, and then eventually Ben Finley is able to get the job done for NC State. This is a rushing attack, and if you were listening closely, and honestly, not even all that closely, if you were within earshot from Mac Brown, Chip Lindsey, whatever, they told you they were going to run the football more this year. 
That's what Mac Brown wanted to do constantly. And if you get over 200 yards from Amarion Hampton, and then you have somebody as talented as British Book Brooks, I understand why they're going to run the football a lot more. It's led to a couple wins. It got real dicey this weekend. Am I concerned about Drake May? Not in the slightest. Uh, I think, me personally, I, I think it's something to watch for going forward because this is a young man that his first two games last season had 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, Fiddy talked about the, the receiving issues that's going on. He's eighth in the ACC in pass efficiency rating. And so that's one of the key metrics that you look at when you look at these guys. And for him to be uh, in the bottom rungs as far as pass efficiency. That is that completion me. percentage or is that a different stat entirely? No, pass efficiency. Okay. It's, it's a little bit all-encompassing. Okay, uh, But I just think that that kind of speaks to the surrounding cast with him. And uh, Tez Walker not being there as well, he was going to be their go-to guy, that de facto number one alpha dog receiver. He's not there. And so, uh, Fiddy, I guess I get your opinion. Do you worry that if they do keep Carolina behind the chains, that with this passing attack, it may be a bit disappointing and maybe cost them some games? I mean, you kind of put me in a tough spot because if I say yes, I'm being I, – I don't believe if I say no, I'm being a homer – but I, I guess I guess until I see it happen, I, I'm not concerned about it because there, there's talent in that room, right? Like they've recruited that position well enough. They got to do a much better job getting separation. Chip Lindsey's got to scheme a little bit better. But you got the second best quarterback in the country. I'm I, I'm going to choose to remain confident in him until he gives me a reason to not be confident. Well, yeah, and I think for me, we can break the passing off. It, I think it's different to say. I'm worried about the passing offense compared to I'm worried about Drake May. I'm not worried about the QB whatsoever. But if you're arguing that you don't have nearly as good as weapons as you had last year, okay. I mean, Josh Downs alone is going to hurt that. Now you get better tight end play with Nesbitt being a year older. And I even think a Jones and a Pesor, I know Flounder had been big on him when we talked with him during our North Carolina team week. I think there's enough to depend on that. And even in when it was winning time, Drake May had to lead this team down the field. And Drake May had, what, three double-digit reception or, you know, like 10 yards or more passes and completions mm-hmm. and even showed off his athleticism. I think you've ran for close to 20 yards on that last drive that he had. So even when it was winning time, again, Drake has proved a lot. I think that's what's so impressive, right? When the game's on the line, you need an, you need the offense to go down the field. There are going to be moments where great QBs all across the board might have that one game they didn't get it done. But we've seen a lot of times where Drake May drives the offense down the field in one-score games and ultimately delivers, and then the kicker misses a field goal that's under 40 yards, and they go to overtime. But they get the job done, and we'll see how they're able to bounce back from it. Uh, really quick, passer rating is calculated by using a player's pass attempts, completions, yards, touchdowns, and interceptions. Uh, also, real quick, Walker, before we go to the Pass break, efficiency is what you're discussing? Yes, the pass oh. efficiency rating. Uh, but really quick before we go, uh, we had to touch on the Charlotte 49 Yes! Was this a moral <sighs> victory for them, or were you just kind of disheartened, I guess, with the offense and them not being able to close out a 14-0 league? I thought they were going to do a West at halftime. I was excited. Plus, the start. The start was crazy. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect them to go 14-0 off the rip, and I thought that defense, they're still very real. I feel very confident in that. It, against Baby Tua, Good QB. I think there's a lot to be taken away from this. And yep. I think in league play, they might be better than a lot of people think. I'm with you. I'm with you. Here's the thing. 
passing offense ain't going to be there a lot. It's not going to be consistent. Jalen Jones is not someone that I depend on a ton right now, but Darrell Robinson, the real deal. Defensively, they're very good. I think their offensive line holds up enough. So, yes, I think there is a little moral victory. I wanted the real one, though. I was wearing the cutoff, Wes. I might have been chewing out a stogie. I wasn't going to light it up, Jeff. Don't get mad at me, but I might have been chewing out a stogie if they would have gotten that victory against Maryland. We'll see if they can bounce back as well. All right, but when we come back, we're going to go back to Carolina versus Atlanta. Yesterday, the defense, what do we think about that when we come back on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ reminding you to kick off football season this Saturday, September 16th with the Roaring Riots kickoff jam. It's here, folks, at Nota Brewing Company North End. The kickoff jam will feature Panther legends including Thomas Davis, Charles Johnson, Stephen Davis, even Mike Tolbert. Live music also from bands like Better Than Ezra, Arrested Development, and even Nappy Roots, too. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the biggest Panther fan, Pep Rally on the Planet on Saturday, September 16th. Head to the kickoffjam.com website, kickoffjam.com, for more details. We asked a question during the last segment as a sidebar. How many nicknames do you have? How many people do you know? A Big Cat, a Big John, Fitty brought to the table. You and I, Wes, both know a big mo. What kind of big nicknames are there out there? Got some inappropriate texts, as you might expect. <laughs> and you know what? I blame me. I can only blame myself for that. Because I'm literally asking the audience, hey, what kind of big blank nicknames are there? Yeah. And I open the door wide open. Oh, you already know. We have degenerates in the audience that are definitely going to give you what you're looking for. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm only mad at myself. And I also kind of i am glad that I did that because we got a lot of funny text, at least during the break, that we're not going to read on the air. But we also got some good ones that we can read. How about Big Puddin' coming in <laughs> on the conversation? Sir, this question was made for you. Said, y'all know me as Big Puddin'? I was Big Dave all through high school and freshman year of college. Then a 450-pound meatloaf-looking dude named Dave comes to school. And for the next two years, I had to live with the nickname Medium Dave. That's some ish. Yeah, you're right. That's tough. When 450-pound Dave comes around, you ain't Big Dave no more. No. That's just how it is. Panther Bo said, how about Big Derek Brown? Ooh, we pay him today. And that's Big Panther Bo putting that in there. Saying... Ooh, we not big even Bo. Me. Uh, I did. I did say that. <laughs> 704 said all caps, big daddy. Fitty, one of our bonding moments was that big daddy is our favorite Adam Sandler movie of uh, all time. It's 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 the greatest vehicle of his uh, generation. Exactly how I would describe and it. And then one of our uh, old coaches and one of the guys that was like uh, one of the program, I guess you could say just. He was just always with us was uh, a man named Bill Fairclough and we called him Big Daddy. 
Big Daddy's a good one. If yeah. you got somebody, you have to be of a certain tier to earn the name Big Daddy. Yes, yes. But and he had been around for decades. Our very own Kyle Bailey got on the conversation as well. Big old cojones, smoke. Yeah, you know then he, Big old huevos. That's you know? a, that, those are good nicknames for sure. If you got a lot of guts, there's a lot of big. In, in the 704. There it is. Uh, Big Cat Dance that I actually know a Big John also. So you're right. Aunt Fitty, I'll apologize because I don't know a Big John. A Big John. Somebody texted me and said, no, Walker, you did know a Big John back in high school. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. So anyways, there's plenty of big nicknames. And we'll try to go through some of them that we actually can read on the air. Let's go to the back of this Panthers game. We had a couple more questions to get to as far as what we learned. We got through Bryce Young, what we learned about the offensive line, what we learned about the defense, what we learned about the skill guys. I wanted to ask what we learned about coaching, Wes. Mm. Is there any main takeaway that we got from offensive play calling? Anything defensively? I know you were a little wary about them going forward. How much of that was at the feet of Ajero Avera? Uh, man, so I'm not sure I can completely put that at the feet of him, but he's also going to be culpable because he's the defensive coordinator. Now, whether it comes down to personnel and what they have uh, being responsible for that, that that's also baked into the cake as well. When you talk about uh, some of the missed tackles and things that you saw, they were able to get a decent amount of pressure on him. They got four sacks in the football game, so you have to hang your hat on that. But uh, other than that, I think it comes down a lot to personnel because we saw – Evero and, and and this defense, you know, the scheme, because Denver's defense still looks pretty good. They looked pretty good yesterday, and I think that's because they have a lot of good personnel that was still left over, and I don't think they really tried to reinvent the wheel uh, with that defense. So I think with him coming here, I think that, you know, he's he's somewhat culpable because, culpable because he's the head man, but as far as just, uh, just the defense, I think it comes down to personnel and I think that you just have to get some better efforts from some guys to get some better results. So I know a lot of people are frustrated with the offensive play calling. I, I, at least with it not looking so vanilla, I don't think I saw a vanilla offense out there. Look, they were successful running the ball. I love the play design of having Hayden Hurst block and then coming across the field after his release. Wide open, okay? Like, you... When you have a play design that has a dude wide open, I, I don't care how vanilla it is, to be honest with you. And, and I wouldn't I would argue that wasn't some of these play designs where even you have LaVisca and I believe Miles Sanders in the backfield. LaVisca comes across as a as a lead blocker and you don't know if they could run left or right. Like, I think there are a couple of different variations that you can have on that play formation. Um, I, I thought the play calling was was OK. I didn't. It's not like I thought that was a real problem. I think what you're learning right now is. Bryce Young, the turnovers that were had, one, Frank Reich takes accountability for and saying that there was the delay of game, which that's a problem. And if you were here for the Joe Brady era, <laughs> you know that it was a real problem getting plays in on time. And then they even call a timeout. So that's actually something I do put on the coaching staff. You had a delay of game penalty. They had to call a timeout in the first half because they didn't have the play ready to go. You saw a few times where that play clock was dwindling down to one and zero. And Bryce was saying, you know, hey, snap it, snap it. I like that to get cleaned up, but I thought the play calling was okay. And it's all about receivers getting separation. It's about Bryce young, not getting beat by a fantastic safety, reading the field and learning the nuances of the position as you go forward. And I, I thought it was fine. As far as an offensive game plan goes, it's just the studs it, or lack thereof. I think a big takeaway is kind of like what we have with Clemson, the wide receivers. Maybe I was wrong on that. This off season thought people were making way too big of a deal out of it. 
DJ Chark missing should not mean that you have zero success attacking downfield. Yeah, and I think that when you look at the game plan they put together, it was obviously for a rookie quarterback in his first game. They didn't try to get too uh, sexy with the play calling, but I thought that you know he had some good uh, opportunities there as far as just the run game working for you. The offensive line really passed blocking well, too. So yeah. I think it did come down to, like I said, Bryce and those weapons and those weapons not being able to win one-on-one matchups on a regular basis because – I mean, think about how many quarterbacks, if you gave them the kind of time that Bryce had to throw the football yesterday, what type of numbers they would put up, you know? Wes, we we got time yesterday, didn't we? Like, at the end of the game, at the end of the game, I heard Mac talking about this, stunts started to get some pressure. They did. So, I wonder if defensive coordinators, you would have to think, with this being the cliche copycat league, all right, let's just have a lot of movement up front and see if we can get them you know, uh, mixed up, a little confused. But for the most part, it really in the fourth quarter, through the first three quarters, I was fine with the way that the offensive line was holding up. And as we mentioned, that's a defensive line you want to hold up against, but it's also not the weakest in the NFL. thought that was a good yeah. average like test. A pack. Yep. David Onyemata is one of the higher paid guys, surprisingly so. We know the success Campbell's had in this league. Grady Jarrett has been a very good player for a long time. I thought that was a formidable opponent to truly evaluate what this pass protection and run blocking. Well, I like I said, this team ultimately is still going to be a run first football team. And they created some big old gaps for Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard to run through. And I'm hoping that they can pass off of the run success. Because if you keep running the football like they did yesterday, hey, let's not fumble like Miles Sanders did. Let's get some push in short yardage situations. But if you can do that, then I think this passing game is going to be more successful as you go on into the regular season. Yeah, and I think it was a good test as far as just a team that you feel comfortable about. Like, okay, We can block them, so that's something you can check off the list. Like, all right, average defensive line, they should be able to hold their own. We'll see what happens when they play against some of the better fronts that have some of those edge rushers that really cause a lot of problems and that really, you know, when they bring that extra guy, you don't want to get into one-on-one matchups on the offensive line. So I think that will be uh, interesting to see. And so you look at uh, New Orleans yesterday, they had 10 quarterback hits as well, three sacks. So they're going to be an even more formidable challenge for them. But again, like I said, when you look at the interceptions that Bryce threw, he had time. I mean, he was not bothered. You didn't see him take a ton of hits for all the people out there that were worried about how is Bryce going to react when he's taking hits and different things like that. He didn't take a ton. And so I think that's something that you uh, have to take away from this. But I just thought the game plan was definitely something to – uh, want to be able to to just have a young guy and get him settled in because Spence says on the text line, he said, Wes, why didn't we run a play action on the fourth and one instead of a vanilla gap run? I thought Frank Reich was only vanilla during the preseason. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, that that's one of those things, man. It, it's so hard to go back and have hindsight 2020 on. Because, oh, it happens all the time. Yeah, because you like you said, Walker, coming up to that play, you are running the ball very well. So at that point, if I'm a guy that's got that, I'm going to keep doing it until you stop it. Now, running the football in the NFL, as I said, can be extremely difficult on short yardage when the defense kind of knows what's coming. Yeah, that would have been a nice little wrinkle to put in to 
be able to uh, run a play action pass there. Maybe you do get some success. But more times than not, the old adage says, if you can't get a yard, we don't deserve to win this game. That's what coaches tell the offensive lines all the time. And as much as we're okay with the way the offensive line performed and even pleased with it for at least the first three quarters, that was certainly a play that was not good. They got blown off their spot immediately. Grady Jarrett's jump on that play was phenomenal. And then he filled in right in the middle. Chuba had nowhere to go. Say, like, well, that's the only place I could go. Bye. So I'm just going to have to sit I'm going to have to take this tackle and then uh, give this football over to the other team. Now, we had a question you can go check out on our socials at Wes and Walker at Wes Bryant underscore 72. Best and worst thing we saw on Sunday. Let's focus on the best because I agree with you. Brian Burns, I think, gave us one of the best performances he has as a pro. Just as, as, as pure, dominant, what he was able to bring getting sacks off the first two drives, having the tackle against Bijan Robinson as soon as Desmond Ritter threw it to him to his right side, negative six-yard loss, just like that. His pressure, even on the Derrick Brown sack, Wes, Brian Burns had pressure on that play. And Derrick was just right there, too, so he was able to clean up what Brian Burns had a part in helping. I thought he was phenomenal. Let's hear from Brian Burns because, of course, we know he's amidst a contract negotiation with the Carolina Panthers. Here he is admitting he was even thinking of not playing on Sunday, and we had a possibility of not seeing that kind of performance from him. Did it even get to the point in these these last few days where you might not have played? Yeah. Is that a decision? Yeah, it, it got to that point. And what was okay. it that swayed you this way? My feeling. Um, like I said, I spent a lot of time with myself. You know, uh, I cut off the world for one for a minute, and. Um, I had some great advice from uh, from a friend, Justin Houston. He gave me some great advice, uh, and um, that was his advice one time: just cut off the world, you know, fast and uh, talk to God. So that's what I did, and I played. Let's go back to one more Brian Burns comment on this contract situation before we start to discuss it. Furthermore, he did say that he is going to play the rest of the season. How committed are you to playing the entire season, whether you get a contract or not? I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. You know what I'm saying? God got his hands on me. He's gonna protect me. I'm playing. This is what it is. What do you think of those comments, Wes? Did Brian Burns win or lose by playing Sunday and getting the kind of production that you got out of him? Uh, I think he won for sure. I think he definitely showed you what he's capable of. I mean, he comes out, gets a sack and a half. I mean, that's what you want from your big dog, okay? And then for him to play in this game and not play any more this season, well, that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense either, even though well, some of the things he had done prior to that didn't make much sense. So uh, I think he definitely won. I think he definitely continued to show them what he brings to the table. And I think that if the numbers continue to pile up, if they don't get a deal done, I don't know about the deadlines for when they can do this and when they can do that, but uh, the number's going to go up if he keeps getting sack after sack after sack. So uh, that's the risk that Carolina right. runs. You right. might as well go ahead and get this thing done now because if you decide to wait, the price is going to go up, and it will truly be yesterday's price is not today's price. Honestly, you know, huge shout-out to Brian. And I'm not saying, oh, good for him for playing. That's not what I'm saying. Because if he didn't want to play, that would have been understandable. I completely get it. Ultimately, in these situations, you got to do what you want to. And I think Brian Burns eventually, as he mentioned, cut off the world, took that advice from Justin Houston, which is part of the reason you brought Justin Houston in, by the way, to mentor Brian Burns. Maybe you didn't expect him to be a part of mentoring him during a contract negotiation. More so on the field is what you were hoping for. But you get all of it when you sign a veteran like Justin Houston. Brian Burns ultimately has to decide what's best for him. And I think you could see 
the mental roller coaster, and maybe that's too strong, but the mental conflict is there. He wants to play. He had been discussing this entire offseason, how it was important for him to be out there on the football field, getting used to a new defensive coordinator, a new regime altogether, and that he was one of the leaders of this team. He's voted a captain amidst all of this stuff happening. A captain that might not have been out there in game number one, because you can understand this is the business part of the NFL. Just like when the general manager talks about it, just like when the owner talks about it, the player gets to talk about the business side too. And if he would have sat out, would have completely understood. Brian Burns goes out there and answers a lot of the questions people had that did not want to pay him. How many texts did we see, Wes? Has he had the dominant performance? Where's that game? Where's that one contest where he just wreaked havoc all over the place? Well, he showed up immediately in this one. He was so good, so disruptive, making plays not only just getting home to the quarterback, but... Even tackling, even when you're talking about some tackles not being there for guys like Frankie Louvu being all over the place. Man, Brian Burns sure was. And you could see the emotion he let out. He didn't give you a Spider-Man celebration that I saw right off the bat, right? Like what he gave you was just yelling and flexing. Just It, it almost felt like energy leaving his body. Finally, here I am. Like y'all see me. Shout, <laughs> shout out to Brian Burns because I, I well, we can all roll our eyes. Oh, okay, he's fighting for 25 to 30 million. Okay, fine. Like, oh, you're right. He's going to be making a lot more money than a lot of us, okay? Probably all of us. But it still has to be hard to go through this. It still has to be hard, and he showed out in a big way on Sunday. Yeah, he was he was an absolute monster. He made the plays that you want to see. He validated what you think of him. And so, uh, as I said, it would be most advantageous for the Panthers to be able to get this deal done now because, as I said, the price is just going to rise. At 336, even the false start he caused by his presence, yes. How about the holding penalty on Caleb McGarry? Desmond Ritter running outside. Who was McGarry holding? Burns. Burns was all over the place in this game, man. And yeah. he affected the game in more ways than one. You had a final comment, Well, and, and, and that's how you know that he was on because, like, Chris Collinsworth like, mentioned this in last night's broadcast when, when breaking down Micah Parsons game. Like, 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 you can tell when an offensive line knows they have no answer for a dude. And in the first half, now, like, Atlanta adjusted at halftime. In the first half, they had no answer for zero. Uh, just a dominant force. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the word people wanted to use and didn't feel like they could. Was yeah. he dominant? And the answer was an astounding yes. He was dominant, absolutely, at least, at the very least, in that first half. You put that on the field the next 17 weeks, it's going to be hard to justify him not getting paid $26, $27 million. Thirty. Yeah, no, you're right, though. Like talking the at 20. La la larger point, though. Larger point. Well, I mean, like 30, he's still going to be underpaid once Micah Parsons gets that 40 million next year, you know? So I'm trying to make him feel somewhat good about it. I can't say you're wrong about that. Micah <laughs> might get 40. When it's time, Micah <sighs> might get 40. That he man just might. That All man right. makes me drool. Do you want to go to a fitty flash on the other side of the break? Do you want to lead us in with one and switch up the scheme a little bit, or do you want to do it now? We can do whatever you want to do. All right, that sounded like Matt Rule. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I mean, at the end of the day, it is your show. Yeah, I can do it at the end of the segment. Yeah. I can get it to you. At the beginning of the segment, I can get it to you. All right, we hear more from Matt Rule coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. the NFL here on Weston Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Did want to remind you, though, that employers and HR professionals, you do not want to miss the chance to fill positions at your company. The Charlotte Job and Recruitment Fair will be September 21st from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Bojangles Coliseum. The Charlotte Job and Recruitment Fair is being promoted to over 650,000 Charlotte listeners each week on all six Radio 1 Charlotte stations, social media, websites, even mobile apps. Make sure your business Business is represented. Call the Charlotte Job and Recruitment Hotline to secure your booth today, 704-548-7888. That's 704-548-7888, presented by Radio 1 Charlotte. Let's take a look around the NFC South. Got to get up and close and personal with the Atlanta Falcons. Excuse me, my mic went away from me. Come back here, Mike. <laughs> Got up close and personal with the Atlanta Falcons after the Panthers opened up their season with Atlanta. But we saw an unexpected win, and one that might have been an unexpected fight, but an expected win all the less. Let's start with Tampa Bay here, Wes. Maybe one of the bigger surprises in the NFL. Tampa Bay ends up beating Minnesota. They win 20-17. to Mike Evans, Baker Mayfield, they hooked up for a long touchdown pass. And if you subscribe to passer rating, Baker gave you a 94.4. If you subscribe to QBR, he gave you a 61.8. If you don't subscribe to any of it, it doesn't matter. 170 yards total, two touchdown passes, and did enough to outscore Minnesota. How surprised are you at this result? Oh, I was definitely surprised. You know, the Minnesota Vikings, this was a 13-win team last season. I saw the shot of Justin Jefferson just sitting on the bench despondent because of what had happened. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as I've said, I'm not going to uh, give them any type of hype hyperbole whatsoever we know there's always some surprise teams every year I don't necessarily think this will be one of them but this is definitely a team to watch it and run the ball great 2.2 yards per care but make them Baker Mayfield and the crew went up there and got the job done in Minnesota in one of the surprising games of the season so far so we'll see if they uh, can continue to build on to that yeah, Tampa, this is how they're going to win games is their offense, excuse me, is their defense showing up. And, and it took a while. Minnesota did score a touchdown in the fourth quarter. They had 10 points in the second. I believe Jordan Addison scoring that long touchdown happened in the second quarter. And so that was cool to see from the USC former uh, Panther transfer, I should say, out of Pittsburgh producing in the NFL. But Tampa Bay winning 20-17, to 17, I'm with you. I don't think that Tampa Bay is now going to win the division by any chance. Right. But they did show you something that we all knew. Their defense is still for real, and I don't expect their offense to score a ton of points. Main takeaways from the Saints' victory over the Titans after that one went to the wire. Well, the Titans, we know if they've represented the last couple of seasons as far as having playoff teams and Derrick Henry and the, and the like, but Ryan Tannehill was awful in this game. Three interceptions. He had 16 of 34. Derrick Henry had him on my fantasy team, and he gave me decent production, but the Saints got a hard-fought win at home. Sometimes in the NFL, you just have to win ugly. 
Uh, Jamal Williams almost fumbled the game uh, at the end yes, of the did. game there, but uh, the Saints were pretty fortunate. But I thought, uh, you know, you got 100 yards from Chris Olave. You got uh, Derek Carr coming out, giving you a 300-yard performance, touchdowns. Uh, he had one of those and an interception. So I think the Saints got an ugly win at home. Offensive line still looks like it might be a little bit of a problem oh, yeah. for them when you look at giving up four sacks to the Titans and also running for 2.6 yards per carry. That is pretty paltry. If you look at what Arden Key did to Trevor Penning over there at left tackle, then you have to feel very good about what Brian Burns is going to do against Derek Carr. That's going to be a real problem for them. Again, no Alvin Kamara. Jamal Williams was playing behind a fantastic offensive line in Detroit. And Derek Carr had the one interception. And we'll see what Derek Carr can do going forward. But uh, the Saints, they get it done. They get the win 16-15 to to uh, at least be one of the three teams to finish 1-0 in the NFC South this past weekend. So if we look at week two with Carolina going up against the New Orleans Saints, Fiddy has it down here in the rundown, West. Are we all ready at sports radio must-win territory for Carolina after dropping their first division game? You entertaining the must-win conversation? Uh, Ooh, I yeah, think I, I will a little it. bit. I feel it. Just because of the fact that we know what 0-2 represents in the NFL when you talk about playoffs and things of the like. You can bounce back from it, especially with the extra game. But I just think that, let's just say for kicks and giggles, that Tampa <laughs> Bay ends up being a decent team, and so does Atlanta. And then New Orleans, we know also uh, what they're capable of being as well. This looks like this division could be a little bit better than what people expect. So I wouldn't necessarily want to get in an O2 hole, especially when you talk about division games. So I would buy a little bit into it. I'm about three toes down on the must. That's still not very many toes, but you are giving it some life. You didn't read the full thing. It, it was to, it wasn't a must win to compete in the division. But the math, we went over the math last week. The math tells you that just you know. Was it 52% of teams that start 1 and 0 since 2002 they they win that they make the postseason only 82 teams have started 0 and 1 and made the postseason in that time span so 0 and 2 would be difficult and you'd be 0 and 2 in the NFC South a division that we all thought entering the year was up for grabs 0 and 2 is not a good start when you're ta- talking about potentially making the playoffs uh, clearly so yes I, I understand this conversation especially we just, with some of the teams you have on the horizon if you do go well, well I think one of the hopes was that this would be a squad that could go like 2 and 4 in the first 6 games something like that and then have a second half resurgence a la what Detroit was able to do last year except maybe without the kind of offensive explosion but maybe the record would look something similar in the second half and so you're right it is an important game especially at home against new orleans with it being a division matchup i'm not going to downplay the significance i do want to talk about how we view the nfc south i did not watch these teams in the division and think that's going to be a better division than what i thought because yes tampa bay can win they got the win against minnesota but we kind of talked about it last week not a huge believer in minnesota this year just not so Tampa Bay getting the victory is good. You can believe in that defense, something you and I discussed. They got a bunch of really good players, and even at each unit, linebacker, defensive line, secondary, doesn't matter. That's how Tampa Bay is going to be able to pull off some upsets. I'm sorry, I'm not going to believe in Baker Mayfield long-term. I'm just not going to do it. So with the Saints only winning 16-15, to 
perhaps I'm underrating Tennessee a little bit. Not too many people were high on them. I think Mike Vrabel is a very good coach, so you can dirty up a game to give themselves a shot. But if we're going to do the Desmond Ritter, if he was average, then maybe you could have a, a bigger performance from Atlanta against Carolina. It was not a good take. It was not a good week for the, uh, hey, Ryan Tannehill is underrated take that I had last week. Three interceptions <laughs> doesn't help himself. And so if you talk about taking away one of those interceptions, right, maybe it's a different ball game, but they didn't. Saints get it done. I just don't know if I'm ready to say the NFC South is better than what I thought. Yeah, um, I'm a little bit there. I, I think that the, the Saints, as I said, that's the team I picked to win the division. But then when you look at uh, Tampa, we'll see. I mean, as it goes on, I mean, we are all surprised that they were able to get the win over Minnesota. So, who knows what that means at this point? We don't know what that means. Week one is wild. We yeah, we don't know it. what that means. And then Atlanta, again, that, that's the crazy part about the NFL in week one. We could think Desmond Ritter looks awful, and then he could come out next week and throw for 250 and four touchdowns. And then we're sitting there like, whoa, like if Atlanta gets that type of balance like, from whoa. him. Yeah, if Atlanta gets that type of balance from him, watch out. So I think there's still a lot of questions to be answered. If I had to guess today, what do I think? I think the division is going to be better than what we thought it was going to be. Uh, real quickly, somebody asked about trading for Jalen Waddle on the text line. It was earlier, and while I would love to do that, yeah. he's, his point was that Miami was only throwing to Tyreek Hill. They weren't throwing to Jalen Waddle. They value Jalen Waddle a ton. We're not far removed from joking about the fact that Jim Irsay was asking for Waddle in a Jonathan Taylor trade. But I want to use that and go to Atlanta. This year, I particularly hate Atlanta being in our division because that means that they're not going to trade us Kyle Pitts whatsoever. Like, they just don't use him. They're just not going to use Kyle Pitts. Not used in this game except for the big-time reception that he had a little bit later. But Pitts could be a 1,000-yard receiver again. And if I was, if they were in a different division, I would 100% think about trading some real draft capital for that guy because I think he's that good. And they're just, nah, we're going to continue to give it to Tyler Algier and we drafted Bijan Robinson. Drake London, your first round pick? Eh, we'll throw it to you once. Yeah, right. That's fine. And then Bijan, we won't give you the ball as much yeah. as we should. Yeah. And, and Algier's good. But then that goes to the whole, maybe you don't draft Bijan in the first round and, and just, yeah, it's weird. But how do I argue with 1-0? Oh? Atlanta, an enigma. Is what really they are. Though, man. It's really tough. Really Let, quick. Uh, what did they call him on a broadcast? Bajon? Then they, yeah. they kept yeah, they kept calling yeah. him Bajon. <laughs> I mean Fiddy, Fiddy talked about that with Chris Myers yesterday. I mean well, I, I just want to know, like, did he change the way he wanted his name pronounced overnight? I think he or, did. Or, or or was Chris Myers just who is one of the worst play-by-play -play guys we have in, in, in broadcasting. Wow. He wasn't as fluid. Chris Myers is struggling a little yeah, bit Yeah, put yesterday. his ass back in the Hollywood Hotel and talk about uh, cars taking left-hand turns. Yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, <laughs> as far as that, that goes, I know we're up against it, but, I mean, you get that guy the ball 20, 25 times. That touchdown was nuts. God help It me. was. It was a great. He, he caught it and juked at the same time. He when is Frankie so Luger explosive. I mean, just wow. All right. Let's continue to talk about the NFL, shall we? We'll give it over to Fiddy. He's better than Chris Myers. It's coming up next in the last hour of Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.